I'm Tom Tate, and this is the Power Time Podcast. Hello and welcome to this introduction to the Power Time Podcast. I'm your host and guide, Tom Tate. I'm going to be taking you through the history of Nintendo, one issue of Nintendo Power Magazine at a time. So Nintendo Power Magazine was a magazine published by Nintendo from 1988 to 2007. Then it was passed on to publisher Future U.S., from 2007 to 2012. So it had this really nice long run. And in the course of those years, they released 285 issues. The first issue published in 1988, it published 3.6 million copies. And this is the issue, uh, issue number one, that featured Super Mario Brothers 2. And that's the issue that we're going to start with in episode one, right after this uh, episode zero. So if my calculations are correct, this is going to be a very long-term project for me. So every week we're going to be covering a new issue of Nintendo Power. And if we cover all 285 issues, that's going to put the final episode of this show, provided I never miss a week, at March 1st, 2022. So I'm going to ask you now, and I will probably ask you multiple times throughout the course of this show, are you with me for the long haul? Because I'm definitely in this for the long haul. Uh, It's going to be a long-term project, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So here's the backstory. A few weeks ago, someone actually uploaded on archive.org, which is the internet archive, scans of the first 15 years of Nintendo Power. So I started paging through some of the earlier issues and all of this nostalgia and all of these memories started pouring back. Uh, And I had this idea to do a podcast where I would provide audio commentary on these issues. And I thought of it sort of as the Criterion Collection for Nintendo Power. And I didn't think anyone has ever done that before. There's certainly a lot of Nintendo podcasts and a lot of podcasts about uh, the history of games, Retronauts, Back in My Play. Uh, These are fantastic uh, podcasts that I listen to that I definitely recommend people listen to, but nobody actually focused solely on Nintendo, uh, as far as I know, and really went through the history and picked apart issues of Nintendo Power. Uh, So the more I thought about it, it seemed like fun and the idea grew and grew. So I decided that I was going to do this. I I purchased the domain name, uh, dusted off the old podcasting equipment, and I figured now is the time uh, I'm going to start this podcast, even though it's going to be a long venture, uh, and really just have some fun with it. But what happened was somebody uh, at Nintendo caught wind that all these issues were up on the archive and they requested to take them down. So these issues are no longer available. But in my opinion, that means that I absolutely have to do this because people cannot just freely go and read these issues. Uh, So I have to acquire these issues legally 
and go through each one uh, and provide this audio commentary. This is my mission. Uh, and if you are a fan of Nintendo, if you grew up playing Nintendo, you're really going to appreciate some of this content because so many of our childhood memories are just packed in the pages of Nintendo Power Magazine. Uh, just paging through you know, the first couple issues, seeing games like Super Mario Bros. 2, Castlevania 2, Blaster Master. Uh, it's just so exciting to kind of relive uh, some of those memories growing up playing these games uh, with that stiff little D-pad uh, and that big gray bulky box that we now uh, call the NES. So the format for this podcast is going to be pretty simple. For each episode, I'm going to take one issue of Nintendo Power Magazine in chronological order. I'm going to explore the contents of that issue. I'm going to try to skip over the minor parts and really highlight the things that are just totally insane uh, and really spending some extra time on the history and background of the cover story, the, the game that's featured on the cover, and some of the bigger games, uh, some of the secondary stories. Uh, but when I talk about things that are totally insane, uh, it, like interviews with cast members of Full House, uh, the comics that were featured, some of the most ridiculous codes that you would have never, ever realized existed unless you had a copy of Nintendo Power, uh, these things I want to highlight and I think a lot of people will remember uh, some of these insane Nintendo Power moments from the earlier issues, but I'm sure there's a lot of nuggets to dig up uh, as time goes on. So I'm really excited to just take each issue at a time and, and just pick them apart. Uh, I might even be playing some of the games beforehand and providing some extra commentary about how these games hold up in 2016 and beyond. So as I'm talking about games like Castlevania 2 Simon's Quest, as I'm talking about games like uh, the, the sequel to Legend of Zelda, if you've never played these games before and you want to play these games or you're thinking about playing these games, uh, I'll probably dig in beforehand and let you know, you know, this is a great game to pick up and play in 2016 and here's how you can play it, whether it's on the virtual console uh, for Wii U or 3DS. Uh, and, and I'll probably let you know if you shouldn't play it uh, because they're just not great games anymore. Uh, and that's very possible. I'm not saying either of those two games are not great games, uh, but we'll get to those episodes shortly. I think the most important thing is that I'm not going to lock myself into a specific format. So the only format I'm going to lock myself into is each issue is go or each episode is going to cover a different issue of Nintendo Power. Uh, but how much detail I go into the actual magazine uh, is, is probably going to change over time. How much detail I go into the cover story game and the history of the game is probably going to change over time. Uh, so this podcast is going to evolve, just like most podcasts, based on what you, the listener, wants to hear. Uh, but really, this is just my love letter to Nintendo uh, throughout the years, the franchises that they've built, uh, fantastic companies like Konami and Capcom, uh, who continuously put out fantastic games on the Nintendo Entertainment System, Super Nintendo, N64, uh, companies like Rare, playing games like Banjo-Kazooie, 007. Like, these are all memories that I have growing up, and this is just my opportunity really just to geek out, uh, just be a Super Nintendo fanboy, a super nerd, uh, and connect with with all the super nerds out there, Super Nintendo nerds who love this stuff. So if you love this stuff, this is definitely for you. Uh, and we'll talk about that in just a second. 
So I want to briefly touch on who I think this podcast is for. This podcast is for anyone who grew up playing any Nintendo consoles at any time. So I'm in my 30s. Listen, if you're in your your teens, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, if you have any memories playing any Nintendo consoles, whether it was blowing in cartridges to get them to work or popping in Game Genie for Super Nintendo so that you can fast track uh, your progress with some cheat codes or playing GoldenEye with four players for the first time ever or playing a 50-turn Mario Party game on GameCube. Whatever, you know, maybe your first experience with any Nintendo console was Wii Bowling and then you got into some of the older titles through Virtual Console or some other means. Anything that you've done in the past with Nintendo, if you've had fun with Nintendo, if you love playing games, if you're a gamer, uh, I know that this is the place to be. We're going to be having, you know, a nostalgic blast from the past week after week. Every week I'll be here. Uh, Every issue will have at least one game that will likely resonate with some point in your childhood or some point in your young adult life where you were growing up playing games with these consoles. Uh, We're also going to have a private community uh, and we're going to be telling some of our best Nintendo stories in that private community. We're going to be having a ton of fun uh, and I'm going to share some of the details on how you can join that community and also how you can uh, start to support the show. I know it's early. This is episode zero. You probably haven't even listened to episode one, two, or three yet. Uh, But if you want to support the show, uh, I'm going to share just a couple ways that you can do that. Uh, And then I'm going to get into some of my memories uh, with Nintendo, some of my earliest memories with Nintendo, and kind of my journey uh, with this company uh, growing up all the way up until now, which has inspired me to start this podcast. So let's take a quick break. I'll tell you about the community and I'll tell you how you can support the show and then we'll be right back. So I want to quickly share just a few different ways that you can support the show if you're enjoying it so far. The first way, probably the easiest way, is just to subscribe through your favorite podcast app so that you can keep coming back, keep listening, and keep giving me feedback so I can improve the show. If you are enjoying the show, uh, another way that you can support is to leave a review on iTunes. Uh, That definitely helps me attract more listeners, but also if you leave me feedback, uh, that will also help me improve the show as well. And finally, if you are absolutely enjoying the Power Time Podcast and you know that you are a super nerd just like me, and this is the absolute uh, best outlet for you uh, to get your retro Nintendo fix, check out Power Time Unlocked at powertimepodcast.com slash unlocked. Join the community, make some new friends, and then go tell all your current friends uh, and we'll have fun. All right, we're back. So we talked about the format of the show. We talked about how we're essentially going to be taking this journey through Nintendo's history, one issue of Nintendo Power Magazine at a time. We'll have a ton of stories. Uh, I have a ton of stories that I can share about Nintendo. You have a ton of stories that you can share about Nintendo. And we're going to be get getting to each and every one of these stories um, over time. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, we talked about the community. Definitely jump in there. Uh, interact with me. Let me know your stories. Uh, and I'll be happy to share them uh, when the time is right on the podcast. And as I mentioned, I'm doing this because I'm a huge nerd and a Nintendo fanboy. I grew up playing video games. I still play video games. In fact, 
I can't remember a time in my life where I wasn't playing a Nintendo console in some capacity. So I want to share my history with Nintendo to date. And again, if you can relate to any of this, any of these memories that I'm going to share, I urge you uh, to subscribe to this podcast. I urge you to join the community and just relive those glory days because it is so much fun reminiscing back on some of these memories uh, that we all kind of share these mutual experiences, these shared experiences of playing Nintendo consoles. And as a dad, uh, as a father of two, I am super, super excited to share these games with my kids as they grow up. Uh, And I'm sure they're going to be hit with VR systems and all these crazy new consoles and all these changes in the gaming industry. But I think that there's always going to be a soft spot with me for some of these retro consoles and that I'm always going to be exposing them to gaming's history. Uh, So this is history, folks. This is really important stuff that we need to preserve. We need to remember. We need to experience again and again. And we need to share this, not just with our kids, uh, but with each other. This is really, really important stuff. I'm on a mission here uh, to preserve the history of Nintendo, one issue of Nintendo Power at a time. So let's talk about Nintendo. Let's talk about the history of Nintendo uh, starting with the very first console that I ever purchased um, and probably a lot of our listeners' first experience with Nintendo as well. And that, of course, is the Nintendo Entertainment System, otherwise known as the NES. Some people call it the NES. I think that's a little weird, but no judgment. This is a judge-free zone. But that's where it all started for me. The Nintendo Entertainment System, it was released in 1988. And I remember that we got ours in 1990. So this is going to show my dad's age. But uh, we received our Nintendo Entertainment System as a gift uh, for my dad's 30th birthday. But I remember that that console unofficially became my console within probably two months of, of my dad receiving this as a gift. He had absolutely zero interest in playing Nintendo. I remember we had an Atari. Uh, We had some interesting Atari games. You know, we had the classics. We had Arkanoid. uh, We had Pong. um, We had Strawberry Shortcake. You know, we had some interesting Atari games, and we would play it occasionally, Space Invaders. Um, But nothing compared to that experience of playing uh, Duck Hunt and Super Mario Brothers. It was just uh, mesmerizing as a kid. And I remember just being glued to the TV. Duck Hunt with a zapper, uh, Super Mario Brothers 1. I don't even think we had any other games for a very long time. And this was 1990. So at this point, you know, Super Mario Brothers 2 was was already released. I, I even think Super Mario Brothers 3 was probably out. But we just ended up with those two games that were were packaged with the system. And I remember playing it before we received it. You know, I certainly had neighbors that had the Nintendo Entertainment System and we would go over and play games every once in a while. I remember I had cousins that had the NES. uh, So I remember playing like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, the original at Cousins House. Um, But really it was after we got that console and we started renting games uh, at the local 
Video Store, West Coast Video, uh, and Southampton Video uh, for those in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. I just remember, you know, the community that arose around Nintendo, uh, typically in in the neighborhoods and in in school, you know. So I remember trading games, uh, and I remember every everyone's mom used to take uh, sharpies and write their last name on the back of the cartridges just to make sure that all those that they put their flag down they 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 stamped their flag and they said you know I'm fine with you trading games son but you better make sure that these games end up back because we paid our hard earned money to get these games for you uh so I remember you know trading games I remember sharing cheats uh I remember writing down passcodes uh and and little maps uh, on note cards or in the back of booklets. Uh, and these cheats would kind of become uh, these urban myths, you know. So these uh, these cheats and these tricks, they would just be passed around the neighborhood and they would become these sort of urban myths, which I thought always thought was really cool uh, in these pre-internet days where that's how news about games traveled, you know, through the neighborhood, uh, through friends. And I remember uh, the first game where I completely had my mind blown was probably Mega Man 3. And I remember borrowing that from my next door neighbor. And, and I, I distinctly remember uh, playing it to a point where I got to Dr. Wily's castle. And I, I just have this distinct memory where uh, my, my neighbor Joe, who was much older than me, uh, knocking on my door while I'm like in the middle of the Dr. Wily boss fight. And he demanded... Uh, that I returned Mega Man 3 and I had no other choice but to turn it off and give it back and I just remember being devastated. I remember seeing uh, Tecmo Super Bowl for the first time at an older neighbor's house um, and you would just go to anyone's house and and you would just find games uh, that you've never seen before. I remember Popeye, Friday the 13th, Ghostbusters, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, Black Bass, the fishing game, uh, which was terrible, by the way. Uh, Rygar, these were all games that my neighbors had that I never needed to purchase or rent because I got my fill just going to their house or borrowing these games. Um, But I got a taste of the NES catalog without ever owning more than maybe a dozen games, uh, which was really awesome. But eventually my collection grew. I remember being totally addicted to the point where it actually caused constipation problems. And my, my, my family always jokes about this. You know, I was so constipated as a kid because I never wanted to get up to go to the bathroom because I was always in the middle of these marathon gaming sessions, you know, to the point where I actually had some serious constipation issues, uh, which is embarrassing for me to say, but it's true. Uh, and that's what Nintendo did to me. And honestly, if it wasn't for, uh, you know, uh, Miralax or whatever it was back then, I probably have some serious issues. But, you know, luckily I'm all good now for the most part, but, you know, still playing for sure. But now I take breaks. And I also remember back in this day, um, you know, probably uh, early to mid 90s, taking a trip to Florida. Uh, it was in May. And my birthday is in April, and I had just received Mega Man 4 uh, as a birthday gift. And I refused to go to Florida without my entire NES console. So I actually had to pack up my entire console. I remember wrapping it in a brown paper bag uh, and throwing some games and controllers in there. 
and the RF switch uh, and and the big bulky AC adapter uh, and taking it with me to Florida so that I could sit in the nice weather. I can sit inside uh, at my grandparents' condo uh, and play Mega Man 4. And this was the beginning for me. This was just the beginning for me, the NES. And I'm really excited to dig into this era when we get into the show. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I wasn't super into a lot of the games from like 87 to 1990 because, again, I got the console later in 1990. So, you know, as you get into the threes, uh, Ninja Gaiden 3, Mega Man 3, Super Mario Brothers 3, that's where I get a little bit more excited. Uh, so the early issues of, of Nintendo Power kind of cover the twos, Super Mario Brothers 2, um, Mega Man 2, etc., and that's, those games were fantastic, and we're going to be covering them. And I certainly enjoyed playing those games. But the highlight for me is definitely, you know, early to mid-90s, uh, regular Nintendo games, into Super Nintendo, and then that early wave of Nintendo 64 games. Uh, really just the golden era for me. So I'm really excited to uh, dig into that. So let's take a quick break we'll check out some music from the nintendo entertainment system era of nintendo So at some point in the early 1990s, during this same time period, my sister and I, uh, we we both received these big, bulky, battery-sucking gray bricks called Game Boys. And these handheld consoles, uh, you know, handheld systems, they were awesome at the time, but in retrospect, uh, quite hideous. I mean, the graphics... Uh, that you know, tan, just kind of tannish, grayscalish, uh, pixelated graphics. Uh, the music, uh, which was good, but you know, compared to the sound chips that you got, uh, that you had on the NES, uh, and and eventually the Super Nintendo, uh, just a bit dated. Uh, but for long car rides and for trips, uh, these little mini handhelds, uh, well, not so mini at the time, they were fantastic and i have really vivid memories of car rides uh with my sister uh my older sister playing tetris two-player tetris with the link cable uh going across uh the minivan that we had so we would go on these long car rides we'd sit in these captain's chairs uh in the in the middle row of the minivan and we would have our game boy link cables uh going across so we could play two-player Tetris. And I had this little carrying case, so I, I only had maybe half a dozen games at any given time for the Game Boy. I just remember having Super Mario Land, uh, Tetris. I had some of the Kirby games, like Kirby's uh, Block Ball and Kirby's Pinball, 
Rocky and Bullwinkle. I definitely had the Castlevania uh, 2 for the Game Boy. That was a great game. Uh, Yoshi, which was a puzzle game. That was a lot of fun too. Uh, but the Game Boy was great. And uh, I definitely have fond memories playing it. And I'm excited to cover that uh, era of Nintendo Power as well. But let's get into it. Let's get into 1991. So at some point in 1991, uh, the Super Nintendo, the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, also known as the SNES, or some people call it the SNES, uh, this started showing up on display in stores like Sears and uh, different department stores and stores around the mall. And I remember playing Super Mario World at Sears or one of those department stores, and I would play for maybe 45 minutes to maybe an hour. And I think what's so funny about looking back on that, so that's not that strange, right? Sit and play play a video game for 45 minutes. But I think what's so funny looking back on it is I have absolutely no idea where my mom was the entire time. And I think, honestly, that, and, and this is kind of a testament to how the times were back then, uh, she just left me uh, to play while she shopped. And I distinctly remember um, just kind of hugging that Super Nintendo display that they had um, so it was just a, a TV. Um, I don't even think you could see uh, the console uh, where the actual console was. It was you know either behind plastic or plexiglass, so you could see it, or it was just the two controllers kind of like sticking out um, of the display. And I I I remember standing there for a really really long time and playing and getting all the way to the second world. Uh, which it, which took some time back then. And I just remember the other kids uh, kind of like swarming around me wanting to play, but because my mom was not there to tell me uh, that I need to give up the controller and give up the sticks so that they could play, I just kept on playing. And, you know, in my little brain back then, I probably thought they were all gathering around me to watch me play because I was so good. Uh, but really, in all honesty, they probably just wanted to play uh, and I wasn't giving it up. You know, I also remember the first person in my neighborhood to get a Super Nintendo um, was my neighbor, Annie. She was actually my babysitter. So she lived across the street, and she was uh, the cousin of one of my best friends, Andrew, who also lived in my neighborhood. And Andrew lived down the street, uh, really around the corner. Uh, and his grandfather, who lived with Annie, um, was right across the street. So I remember at night, uh, this must have been like 6 or 7 o'clock at night. Andrew and I would show up at Annie's door looking like two sad little puppies wanting to play Super Nintendo. And again, she was the first person on the block to get the console. And she only had a few games, but I remember distinctly she had Super Mario World and she had uh, F-Zero. And we would just play and play and play and we would take turns. We would play for hours uh, until she basically kicked us out or my parents would call you know, and there were old rotary telephones back then. And they would say, hey, it's time to go to bed. Um, but I, I just really remember, uh, you know, just the allure of a new console. That was the first time that I ever experienced like, hey, there's a new console that, that just arrived. And it's not the Nintendo. It's the Super Nintendo. And that kind of started this, this uh, desire. Uh, anytime a new console came, came up in the Nintendo console cycle for me to uh, really follow the launch um, and then just want to obtain one for myself. 
So it wasn't until maybe Christmas of 1994 when I got my first Super Nintendo Entertainment System. And I remember this distinctly because I opened, um, and this probably happened to so many people, but I opened up Madden 95 under the Christmas tree. And I felt uh, immediately, you know, I felt like Santa must think that I have a Super Nintendo. And I felt terrible because I was like, you know, just just so disappointed that Santa thought that I had a Super Nintendo and I didn't have one. So I'm going to have to bring back uh, Madden 95 and get some crappy regular Nintendo game. Uh, but then as I continued to pick apart my stash of presents under the tree, I noticed that there was a larger box in the back. And lo and behold, as I was tearing open the packaging, uh, the gift wrap for that box, I received a Super Nintendo Entertainment System and I received the Super Nintendo Entertainment System with Super Mario World, uh, which came in the box. And then later in my stocking, uh, I opened up Tiny Toon Adventures, Buster Busts Loose. And uh, that with Madden 95, you know, that's all I did for the next three months was play those games again and again and again. Um, and it was it was a ton of fun. Um, just really fantastic early memories, getting that console, playing those games. And my love for the Super Nintendo continued to grow as more amazing titles came out. And I think that's my favorite Nintendo console. And we're going to be talking a lot about this, I'm sure, as the episodes go on. I'm really excited uh, with that console and to get into that era of this podcast when we get to the point where Nintendo... Um, is announced and released, but really when when, uh, Nintendo Power starts talking about some of the Japanese RPGs that came over, uh, like Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy and Secret of Mana, but then games like Legend of Zelda and Super Mario RPG, uh, these were games that really exposed me to a new level of cinematic game playing uh, that really solidified my love for Nintendo games and for gaming in general, um, which was awesome. Um, Mega Man X titles, sports games, brawlers, platformers, so many great games. Uh, Even all the Disney titles that showed up on Super Nintendo, like Aladdin, Lion King, Mickey's Magical Quest. These were all staples of my youth, and I had an absolute blast uh, playing these games on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. So let's check out some music right now, probably from uh, a Le- The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, which again is just one of the finest games for Nintendo um, of all time and just a really fantastic soundtrack. So at some point after the release of Super Nintendo and even after the release of Nintendo 64, Nintendo released the second iteration of Game Boy, which was the Game Boy Color. Uh, well, I, I believe there was the Game Boy Pocket before that, but the the, the, the first major release uh, to really change the mechanics of, of Game Boy uh, screen-wise was the Game Boy Color, uh, which offered color. 
And I definitely picked this up. Uh, I remember specifically I picked up the purple one, which I think was the premier uh, palette that they used to promote the Game Boy Color in, in their marketing. And to be honest, I don't remember playing any exclusive games or any major standouts uh, at the time. You know, I totally missed out on Pokemon uh, growing up. So I'm excited actually to get to the point where Pokemon is announced by Nintendo for the first time. I want to see how they announced it, how it was initially received, um, and really just dig into that whole craze. And when we get to that point in this show, I'm actually going to play Pokemon for the first time. And I'm going to share my thoughts. So if you are a Pokemon junkie, it'll be fun to watch me fumble my way through the early Pokemon titles. Um, And I will say that, you know, going back to the Game Boy Color, and I can't remember if I played this on Game Boy or Game Boy Color, but one of the best... Uh, games that I've ever played was Link's Awakening and I definitely played Link's Awakening DX which was the Game Boy Color version Um, and it's just one of the best Legend of Zelda games ever Uh, and I can't emphasize that enough so if you haven't played that game definitely check it out and we'll get to it eventually on the show but yes Game Boy Color it was a lot of fun certainly my portable of choice so let's get into 1996 Let's get real for a minute because I believe that one of the biggest launches and one of the biggest accomplishments uh, that Nintendo has ever released, uh, and I believe that you know almost everyone growing up at this time has some childhood memories related to the Nintendo 64, specifically around you know when Super Mario 64 was released. And just tell me that you don't remember the first time that you saw the polygonal masterpiece that is Super Mario 64, you know, whether you saw it uh, sitting in some storefront or you visited a friend or a family member or you got it, you received it yourself, you know, maybe around Christmas time uh, and you plugged it in for the first time. But the music, the sound effects, the animations, the art design, the gameplay, everything was just so novel. You know, it was just such a great time to be a kid and see firsthand what the future of video games looked like. You know, just that opening splash screen where you can manipulate Mario's face. uh, It was so much fun, and and that was all just before you even started the game. You know, and the music was great. uh, And and playing a world that was so expansive, it definitely changed the way that I looked at video games, uh, definitely changed the way that people in the industry looked at video games. Uh, and it really expanded the capabilities in my mind of what a console can do. And that's what I remember about the N64 when it was first released. It was just such a big leap. Uh, and you, again, you just saw firsthand what the future of gaming looked like. And they did such a great job with that launch. So I don't remember exactly when I got my first Nintendo 64, but I do remember some of the early games that I played. Super Mario 64, obviously. Uh, Definitely Wave Race. I used to go over to my friend Steve's house and we would play Pilot Wings and Blast Core. Those were a lot of fun. Definitely, uh, I would put 1080 Snowboarding up there, some of the early games. Uh, Just such an awesome console. Some of my all-time favorite games were released on Nintendo 64, uh, and, and they were just you know, cinematic games. Uh, So let's talk about one of the most cinematic games that I've played back in this time period. And that was The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Uh, It was just a masterpiece in its own right. And it's amazing to me that this game was released, you know, I want to say it was released in 1996. 
uh, right around uh, or just before the release of Final Fantasy VII. Um, but, you know, while Final Fantasy VII uh, was equally cinematic um, and, and, you know, probably on a much more grander scale, uh, the accessibility and the ability to just pick up and play Ocarina of Time um, and just fall into it. I remember, you know, the characters were super interesting. The puzzles were very, very intriguing. Uh, just such a, such a great game. Um, but I will say that my greatest memories of Nintendo 64 weren't playing by myself, playing these amazing single-player games, but really the amount of hours I played uh, playing with my friends. You know, some of the best multiplayer games on any Nintendo consoles uh, came out on N64. You had GoldenEye 007, which for me was the first real experience of you know getting together with friends and playing four-player first-person shooter-style games for hours and hours and hours. And we would do it. You know, we would set up the game to be on license to kill mode, which means any bit of damage uh, would would kill you. Uh, and we would set it up so that you would play in the bunker, and we would set the weapons to be proximity mines. So we would lay proximity mines on all the spawn points. So as soon as you died in the game and you would respawn, uh, you would die right away because the proximity mines would trigger when you respawned. And for whatever reason, we thought this was fun. And we just had an absolute blast playing it. And I, I believe that everyone, you know, had their own special play styles with their friends, their own custom settings that they did. Uh, and you just kind of found a rhythm that worked for you. But yeah, we played this in, over my friend Anthony's house. Um, we would play NFL Blitz, um, which was amazing. We, we would play WrestleMania 2000, you know, which was kind of the quintessential wrestling game at the time. And we loved wrestling. This was the Attitude Era of WWF back in the day. Uh, really entertaining. So we were playing WrestleMania 2000, and they had this grapple system uh, that they iterated on from the WCW games. And it was just so enjoyable to play uh, multiplayer. I remember the controller, uh, the N64 controller. It was really, really weird. Uh, but for some uh, of the games that were developed on it, it just worked so well. You know, so Mario Party, Mario Kart 64, um, you know, I remember Torok. Uh, all these games, you know, I just, I remember exploring them in the basements of my friend's house, having sleepovers, playing until the early hours of the morning, uh, and really just enjoying every minute of, of this console. some point after the N64 was released, I believe 2001, the Game Boy Advance came out. And that I'm not going to talk too deeply on because I don't believe I've ever had a Game Boy Advance, though I've played many of those games. Um, I was a camp counselor uh, during this time period. And I remember stealing my campers Game Boy Advances during my breaks so that I could go and play 
I was definitely a counselor of the year those years. And uh, my brother, Dan, also had a Game Boy Advance that I would play from time to time. But really, the, the next experience I had with Nintendo was the GameCube. So the GameCube was released in 2001. And like most uh, teenage boys back in the 90s and 2000, uh, you know, 2000, 2001, I really got into the PlayStation uh, because Sony PlayStation was the game console for more mature audiences of which I definitely felt I was one or a part of. Uh, I got into more complex RPGs like the Final Fantasy titles. I got into more realistic sports games, uh, you know, and and when it came to performance, uh, the PlayStation consoles definitely... uh, they definitely had a one up on N64 uh, and they definitely kind of advertised uh, as such, you know, platformers pick up and play games on the PlayStation were really fantastic. So they became a strong competitor, not just for Nintendo, uh, not just in the market, but also for me, you know, and in my own home. So uh, the GameCube, it wasn't really a console that I invested in early on. Uh, It was, it felt like it was marketed towards children, to be honest with you at the time, uh, as in, in my teenage years, I felt like it wasn't a console for me, uh, until much later, you know, I remember getting one, but I remember when I got that console, uh, it was later. I remember I brought it to college with me, uh, and, and my roommate, Rob and I, we would play a lot of soul caliber two, uh, which was a really great game. Uh, we played a lot of party games on the GameCube, like, uh, some of the Mario party titles that were released on GameCube were a ton of fun Four players, a lot of action, uh, and, uh, a few others uh, that you know I'm, I'm sure we'll be exploring on the show, but really one of the fondest memories of GameCube for me was uh, my roommate actually left to go to a different college, and I ended up in a single. Uh, so I spent a lot of solo time playing GameCube, and one of the games that I played was Resident Evil Four. Um, which was one of the best Nintendo titles uh, for that console, in my opinion. And I believe it was actually an exclusive, a GameCube exclusive at the time, which is super cool. Uh, And then later when they released uh, The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess simultaneously on the GameCube and the Wii, I opted to play it on the GameCube. Um, And I haven't played the remake, the HD uh, remastered version yet that just was released, but... You know, I have such great memories playing that game. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing that remake at some point. So the GameCube was an interesting console for me. I didn't play Mario Sunshine. So when we get to GameCube's history in the show, uh, I'm excited to check out a bunch of titles that I didn't play, uh, a bunch of titles that I passed over. Um, You know, the same with uh, Game Boy Advance and the 3DS um, or the Nintendo DS, uh, which again was a, a a, a handheld console that came out. Um, that I really only played through my brother and campers who were willing to give up their handhelds. So the next experience that I had really with the Nintendo console was in 2006. And like most people, I fell into the craze that was happening at the time where, you know, whenever it was that the Wii came out, it was just so difficult to get it in stores. And I remember actually calling stores to try to get one held uh, so that we can go pick one up. And and we would do this every day, me and my uncle, who was trying to get a, a console for his kids. I didn't even know what I was getting myself into. I just knew that I wanted to play some of those Wii Sports games. Wii Bowling, Wii Baseball, Wii Boxing. They just looked like so much fun. 
and I absolutely wanted to play Super Mario Galaxy. Always a big fan of the 3D Mario games uh, like Mario 64, and this one just looked incredible. Not just the graphics, but the gameplay as well, the music, everything. So I was really excited to play that game. And this became actually my system of choice uh, when I was living in South Philly for a while. So I was living in South Philly with some of my best friends, and we would play so much Nintendo Wii. A lot of it was the virtual console. So when the virtual console came out and it allowed us to pick up and play all these old games again, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, uh, it was a lot of fun for us just to relive some of those early days of our gaming past, um, not to mention some of the Wii games like New Super Mario Brothers Wii uh, that came out right around the time uh, that we were living there. It was four players, uh, four-player side-scrolling Mario action. It was fast-paced. I remember it was weighted perfectly for multiplayer. And I remember uh, me, Anthony, Rob, and Sean, uh, we absolutely had a blast. Uh, and we blew through that game so quickly. Um and I believe we 100%ed it and then played through it again. So it was a lot of fun just to sit around, drink some beers, play some games like that. House of the Dead Overkill was another fantastic game. Couldn't actually believe that that game was was released on Nintendo console because it was so vulgar. Um, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword eventually came out. And this, this came out after I was living in South Philly. But I remember picking up this game. Uh, the collector's edition. I remember I got the Golden Wii remote and the orchestrated soundtrack, which was really awesome. Uh, came with the CD. And it was just uh, really awesome to play through another fun Zelda game. Uh, and that game you know, really gets me excited for the upcoming Zelda uh, Breath of the Wild, uh, which is going to be fantastic. And, and we'll talk a little bit about new games too, even though uh, Nintendo Power is no longer in production. So the only handheld that I remember getting at launch uh, was the Nintendo 3DS, and that was released in 2011. And I just remember playing countless throwback Nintendo games like the Zelda 3D remakes. I played through Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask uh, 3D on that handheld. And uh, the Link to the Past successor, A Link Between Worlds, uh, there was a new Yoshi title, a new DK title, uh, just a lot of throwback titles on the eShop. I also replayed Mega Man 1 through 6 uh, and the early Super Mario Brothers titles on Nintendo 3DS. And I did all of this while laying in bed, uh, if you can believe that. So the Nintendo 3DS became a really fun handheld for me because I can have these kind of throwback memories uh, all while just kind of like hanging out in bed or sitting on the couch. Um, and as, as a parent... Uh, you don't really get a lot of moments to yourself uh, these days. So when you do, having something like the Nintendo 3DS by your side is definitely uh, valuable and, and you know a huge part of my history with Nintendo. So you know the past five years or so, uh, I've played a ton of 3DS and I can't recommend that console or that handheld enough. Excited to talk about that eventually. It'll be a couple of years before we get to that in Nintendo Power. Um, and it'll be even more years before we get to the Wii U. Uh, so finally, we come all the way to the Wii U. Nintendo Power actually did go all the way to the Wii U. So we will be covering Nintendo's history all the way up until it's released, which is exciting. Uh, and the Wii U is pretty cool. I mean, it's a console. I've, I've recently got it, maybe a year and a half ago. It was a gift from my wife uh, because she knows how much I love and, and still in love with video games and Nintendo. 
and uh, and I haven't really played it. You know, I played a couple of games, nothing too crazy. Played the Mario titles that were released on there, um, and I played them all the way through, 100%, both of them. Uh, but that's really been it. I haven't been too inspired to pick up and play this console, and I think that says something, you know, about the console, and and you know, something I want to discuss on the show and in the community you know, maybe sooner rather than later and get people's feedback and opinion is, you know, what am I missing here? Is is this really a console? Like, I know it wasn't a commercial success, but are there games on this console that I should be playing? Um, and, and that would definitely be a fun conversation to have, especially as we all wait patiently for more details on the Nintendo NX, which is the Wii U's uh, proposed uh, successor. So learning more about the NX as time goes on, um, you know, that's that's pretty much it. You know, that's my history with Nintendo. I've always had a Nintendo console by my side, uh, you know, with my friends, my family, my wife, uh, and I, you know, we've all used to, we all have memories, you know, playing Nintendo. I used to play Mario Kart in college. You know, I remember in college picking up a copy of uh, Pokemon Snap with, with my wife, Lauren, and just having a ton of fun as young adults, just going around taking pictures of Pokemon even though I've never played a Pokemon title prior to this. And, uh, you know, just picking up old consoles and, and playing them, um, it's just so great to relive these memories that we had as kids. Uh, and I still pick up virtual console games. I still pick up retro-inspired games, uh, indie titles for the 3DS and the Wii U. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to sharing all this stuff with my kids. I'm looking forward to exploring what Nintendo has to offer in the future. But I'm really most excited about digging into Nintendo's past by way of Nintendo Power, uh, and really just putting out one of the best podcasts uh, that I can possibly put out uh, to share with you, the listener, all these nuggets, all these experiences that we shared as kids um, or young adults or what have you, or whenever you experience this, it, it really doesn't matter. You know, but everyone remembers the first time they picked up a Mega Man title. Everyone remembers seeing Super Mario 64 uh, for the first time. And, and these are all just memories that I want to conjure up by way of Nintendo Power, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so I have to ask you now, you know, I shared my Nintendo story. What's your Nintendo story? Check us out at powertimepodcast.com slash unlocked and sign up to join our private Facebook group. Uh, and once you get access to that group, you know, come tell us your best Nintendo memory. Uh, we would love to hear it. Just jump in uh, and let us know what your favorite games were. Uh, we're going to be having conversations all the time. Great way to break up the workday uh, or, you know, great break up the monotony of life uh, by talking about some of your favorite memories uh, from the big N. So before we sign off, I just want to give uh, quick props to the amazing music that's featured in this episode. First, we heard the Power Time podcast uh, unofficial theme by Azor Flux. It's called Eat My Chips. And then that little interlude, we heard uh, Catnip by Azor Flux. We also heard the theme from Contra. We heard the theme from Blades of Steel. We heard Advent from Descendants of Erdrick, and they are just such an epic rock band, and we listened to Mario 64 by Entertainment System, uh, who uh, are now a defunct band, but they go by Explosion Sound, and they have a really cool sound. So if you want to check out the music that was featured in today's podcast, uh, definitely check out the show notes, powertimepodcast.com. Uh, you'll see the show notes for this episode. And we have links where you can go listen, stream, purchase. Please support these bands. They're doing amazing work. Uh, and, and we'll link up uh, to all these bands so that you can check them out as well.
Okay, power players, that's going to wrap up today's episode. Be sure to check out episode one and two, uh, which should be live now, and tune in each week as we dig into a new issue of Nintendo Power. So if you'd be so kind, a great way to support the show is to leave me a review on iTunes, and you can do that easily by visiting powertimepodcast.com slash iTunes. Your feedback helps me to improve the show and continue to grow the community. So with that, I'm Tom Tate signing off. Keep on playing with power.